podcast with me phil and me paul and on this week's show we'll be discussing or reviewing i should say the target novelization of the warriors of the deep oh dear what <laughs> yes <laughs> right okay yeah um did, did you watch the dvd along with it paul so i didn't get time um i did actually you did all right again. okay Again. Uh, having seen, having watched that probably now more than any other classic who <laughs> during the course of while we've been doing this podcast. You can actually reenact it yourself now. So, can't you? <laughs> okay, that's coming up later then, folks. But first, let's have some news. Now, the big news of the week, obviously, that um, we now have an episode title for the 50th anniversary special. And if you don't know what it is, switch off now, because this is going to be full of spoilers. Okay? You gone? Good. Okay. The fifth anniversary is called the Day of the Doctor. Can I turn it back on now? Sorry. Yeah, turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. I'm back. Excellent. Yes, and we have a nice little. Um, I sp- have they noticed this as an iconic poster by any chance? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. So yes, we have an official movie style poster mm. to go with the, the uh, release of the episode title as well. Uh, yeah, hmm. That's what we come to expect now, it is it? really isn't it um, i quite like them actually well i mean i quite like the idea i think it's yeah i do sounds a little bit too close to day of the daleks for my liking but um oh, there you go yeah it's one of my favorites day of the daleks uh, mm, never mind never mind um yeah but along with that there's also a lot of other stuff been announced for the sort of tv schedule for from the bbc yeah like, finally we've we've had something haven't we from the... yeah that's it um so what have we got here? We've got uh, very, very... There's a lot of stuff here, so I'll sort of quickly uh, run through this. BBC Two, uh, one not only going to show, Professor Brian Cotts will take an audience of celebrity guests, members of the public, on a journey to the wonderful universe of the Doctor uh, from the lecture hall, the Royal Institute of Great Britain. And that's sort of uh, a 60-minute special. I think it's isn't it about the science of Doctor Who, isn't it? Yes, yeah. effectively, yeah. yeah. Uh, then another hour-long special on BBC Two... Um, from the Culture Show, it's called Me, You and Doctor Who, with lifelong fan Matthew Sweet, who talking about the cultural significance of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, then, of course, BBC Two, it says it wraps up its coverage with an adventure in, in space and time, which everyone should know by now is Mark Gatiss's, uh docudrama about the genesis of Doctor Who. Um, it says it goes, it's 90 minutes long. Yes. So um, now that's probably going to get people annoyed, because it's actually longer than the special. Yeah, but... Which you've now found out is 75 minutes long. It's long, yeah. yes. No, I, think, I think that's fair enough. I don't think that's... Um, no, I don't. Not really got a problem with that. No, me neither. As, as far as we've always said about the, the special, it's it's how good it is, not how long it is. Yeah. So, now, um, the other thing, BBC Four uh, was scheduled to show An Unearthly Child in its entirety. However, it's now been an up- update to that. They're saying that the broadcast that is currently unconfirmed... And all it says is pending uh, a resolution of an issue with one of the episodes. Yeah, seems a bit odd. A, that they've had this much time to confirm what they're going to show. Yeah. And you'd thought they'd have got it all sorted before they needed to make an announcement. And interesting to know just what the issue is, really. Yeah, exactly. A bit, bit strange, that one. 
But um, now there are also programs on CBBC again uh, with uh, t- something called Twelve Again. That's with uh, apparently I don't know who this guy's Chris Johnson. Apparently he's on CBBC. Apparently he's a super he's a super fan of Doctor Who. Uh, John Coleshaw, who most of you should know, is that impressionist who does a Tom Baker impression. Uh, Tommy Knight. Obviously, it's Luke Smith from Sarah Jane Avengers, uh, Warwick Davis, Neve McIntosh, Dan Starkey, and Louise Jameson. And, oh, sorry, and finally, Sylvester McCoy. That's it. <laughs> Easily forgotten. Easily forgotten. He's Sylvester McCoy. Oh, dear. The shame, the shame. Um, yeah, basically, they share their memories of watching Doctor Who when they were young. Mm. Um, but Blue Peter are also launching a competition uh, to design a new gadget that will become part of the show. Uh, BBC Three... We'll have Doctor Who Monsters and Villains Weekend, uh, which is a countdown to the top Doctor Who monster. Um, and then you've got Doctor Who, the ultimate guide, which is sort of like an in- introduction to the show. And not only on the TV, you've also got stuff on uh, Radios 1, 2 and 4 Extra. Uh, Radio 2, uh, I've got a documentary called Who is the Doctor, which has got new recorded interviews and archive material. Um, that goes on for 90 minutes. You've got The Blagger's Guide to Doctor Who with David Quantic. Who's giving it the Blaggers treatment? I don't know. Is this a a, a, a um a show, BBC Radio Two or something? Uh, yes. Blaggers Guide. Yeah, yeah. He basically does, and he sort of gives it. It's slightly off in terms of what its facts are, if you know what I mean. All oh, right. Okay. So okay. if it's you know what is what is actually true and what isn't and whatever. Okay. Yeah. I'm in there. terms of giving it as a as it's almost like a this documentary on the history sort of thing. Yeah. All right, might be interesting. So, uh, following Radio 2, uh, Graham Norton will be broadcasting a Doctor Who celebration special. I think it, it actually on the Saturday, the 23rd of November. It's a three-hour special show, and it'll be checked to some of the stars of the series and also a few fans yeah. as well. Um, it's going to be from the convention itself, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. We, we don't know. Well, we haven't got tickets, put it that way, have we? Mm. Yeah, we don't know what's going on no. with that. Um, now, uh, Radio 1 has got something called Time Lord Rock. Uh, it's talking the genre of music inspired by the Doctor. That's in a 60-minute documentary. And finally, on Radio 4 Extra, there's a three-hour special program called Who Made Who. Uh, looks at the world that inspired the television series. Um, basically talking about sort of like how much it's very much part of 1960s Britain. And also, um, of course, Radio 4, they were broadcasting some of the um, it says some of the dramas featuring the Doctor, which I'm assuming is going to be sort of big finish. Yeah, because they've done, they've done quite a few, haven't they? Yeah. yeah um, even something some were actually commissioned for them, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so for all you doubters out there who thought that the BBC were doing nothing for the 50th anniversary, um, well, I think there's quite a bit there to get your teeth into. I think there is. I just think it's sort of going to be, by the time it comes, I can see there are now going to be people moaning about the overkill. People who don't watch, who don't like Doctor Who, will be moaning probably about the overkill and how much stuff do we need well, on yeah. this. Well, yeah, yeah. Which exactly. I think perhaps if had they spread it out a bit more over the year, would have made everyone ha- more happy. Probably. Probably. You can't yeah, please I'm, everybody, I'm, I'm, can quite you? Lo- I'm quite looking forward to it now. Actually. I am. I am. I think there's a lot there's a lot there to uh, a lot there to enjoy. Yes. And not as you just watch but listen to as well. Yes. You know, so it's gonna no, be good. It's gonna be good. I think we're gonna be um we're gonna be spoiled, I think, is the uh is the is the term to use. We're gonna be spoilt for choice. Yes. Um now Tying into the day of the Doctor, the DVD and Blu-ray release date has been announced, and it's going to be Monday the second of December. Yes, nice, just in time for Christmas. Well, they, they was going to have to get it out before Christmas, weren't they? Oh God, yeah, had to be, had to be. Um, at this 
juncture. There is no um, details on any extras or uh, audio commentaries or anything like that. So, but as that comes up, we'll um, well, of course, we'll we'll talk about it on here. In all sense, I mean, are they actually saying oh, about that? Is that going to be? Are they going to release the three D version on Blu-ray as well? Um, I don't doesn't say. No, it doesn't say on the uh, on the little press release I've got here. Doesn't actually say. They be usually do. They don't. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. they don't. Yeah, they usually do. <laughs> Again, I've got a three D telly, so it doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not into the whole 3D thing anyway, so it's a, a gimmick. Now, more celebration news. Um, now, BBC America have been running um, a series um, called uh, The Doctors Revisited, which is now going to be shown on the cable channel Watch. Or is it a Freeview channel as well? Or just a... I'm not sure, to be honest. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, but anyway. I've got it, so I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up yours, everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, now, um, yeah. <laughs> no usual caring sharing way on this podcast. <laughs> We're all right. Just flicking the V to all our listeners there. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, Jack. Pull the ladder up. Um, yeah, now it's going to be broadcast at uh, weekends, uh, starting on Saturday, the 12th of October, uh, obviously with the first Doctor, which is going to be, uh, what's that? It's going to be a little documentary about each Doctor, and then um, they're going to broadcast a story. Yes. Afterwards. So I think so far it goes up. Um, up to the fourth Doctor in the watch schedule. Uh, so we've got first Doctor, you've got the Aztecs. The following Sunday, you've got Tomb of the Cybermen. After that, you've got Spearhead from Space. And then after that, it's Pyramids of Mars. Yeah. So what comes after that, we don't know at the moment. No, probably we could find out if you went back and had a look at what the press releases were when they were being shown on BBC America. Yeah. We'll tell you which ones. That's it. They now, showed. But there's also some other little documentaries on there Was it as Earth well. Earthshock, I think, for the fifth Doctor? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised. But there's a couple of other documentaries as well. Uh, something called The Companions and Doctor Who Explained. And they'll also mm. be shown on the 12th of October as well. So it's all starting to happen. Yes. It's all starting to happen. Well, hey, this is getting good. This is getting good. It's actually uh, just the fact that we are now getting close. Yeah, I know. Then it'll be over. And we'll all have uh, post-anniversary hangovers. Yes. Because we've all been sort of overdosed on Doctor Who. Anyway, um, moving on from... Well, actually, there's actually a little bit more 50th news in this as well, actually. This is all ramping up now. Doctor Who was recognised at the TV Choice Awards. Um, so it was announced. Uh, they won the Best Drama uh, for the fourth year running. And it beat uh, Call the Midwife, Downton Abbey and Waterloo Road. This, yeah. is a, this is a viewer's vote, this one, isn't it? Um... I'm not sure. We always say this every it's year. Every we're not year sure. we say this. We never bloody bother to check it out. There's some some journalistic intent we've got here, isn't it? Crikey! <laughs> um, they also won an outstanding achievement award, uh, basically in recognition of reaching its fiftieth uh, its fiftieth year. Yes. And uh, Peter Davison presented the award to Stephen Moffat. So mm. there you go. And they, put, nice. they they showed a little montage of clips as well. So, um, but the best actor award actually went to David Tennant for Broadchurch. So, yeah, so not surprising. Not surprising. That's been the major yeah, program of the yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Major hit. Major hit. Now, he was talking. Oh, sorry, he was. Let me tell you who he was. Actually, Peter Davison, I should say. I was talking to um, TV's Richard Arnold. Uh, if you don't yes. know, he's he's one of the he's their showbiz correspondent from uh, Daybreak. I think I mentioned last week is a a, a sort of ITV breakfast TV franchise. 
they was chatting to him about the 50th anniversary, and well, basically, Davison said he's got a script. Yes. With his name embossed on it, but he's not allowed to talk about it. It's all top secret. So he doesn't actually say it was a script for the 50th. I think a lot of people have have sort of leaped on this and thought, he's going to be in the 50th. Yeah. But he he finishes his statement. I think this is the probably the the clue here. It says, should keep their eye open for around the 50th anniversary anniversary special. special. Yeah. I wonder if he's in the Mark Gatiss thing. Could be. Because they have got some old... Doctor Who actors in that, haven't they? Playing yeah. obviously different roles to well, the. Well, there's been another thing as well this week. Apparently, there was um, there's a photograph doing the rounds of Tom Baker in his scarf standing outside Matt Smith's TARDIS. But I think again, this is just promotional stuff. Yeah, there was also um, and also a photo going doing the rounds of Davison and McCoy outside a building with, with uh, placards. Yes. As well, so I think this is just this is just little promotional stuff. Stuff in between, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that this is actually anything to do with the fiftieth itself. No. no. So I, th- I think fans well, are getting get we've been wrong before. We so. have been very. I mean, actually, well, probably, probably this is a good opportunity to say it probably is the fiftieth if we don't think it is. <laughs> yeah, indeed, we don't think it is. So yeah, I really, I really, I'm very, very doubtful about yeah. that. But uh, anyway, anyway, um, if we. Get any more information on that, and providing it's not too spoilery, we'll, um, we'll obviously bring it to you. Now, next in the news, the BFI have announced the uh, Q&A panels for the 10th and 8th Doctor events. So first up on the 29th of September, which is a couple of weeks away now, uh, not too long to wait. The panel is David Tennant, Graham Harper, Phil Collinson, casting director Andy Pryor, and... Last but no means least, Catherine Tate will be there as well. Yes. So it's shaping up to be a rather good panel. Yeah, because then to actually her and uh, David Tennant do go off quite well. They do. Together. They do. When they're on stage or whatever together. Yeah, so um, it's something we're looking forward to seeing. Yes, very gonna... much so, actually. Yeah, because um, obviously we, we, we will be there. Yes, the I, podcast. So um, again, something else we're saying we're all right. We've yeah, got tickets. We just we just love rubbing our listeners' noses in it. <laughs> Although I would say probably a lot of our listeners are actually going to the official convention and we're yeah, not. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so yes, revenge will be there. Yeah. <laughs> now for the um, eighth Doctor, this is quite interesting. Not getting just one panel, we're getting two panels as well. So what we've got you've got Paul McGann, Daphne Ashbrook. Um, and Jeffrey Sachs uh, will be there to do sort of one panel, talk about the uh, the show. And then we've also got Andrew Cartmill, Gary Russell, Nicholas Briggs, and Jason Hay Ellery. We're going to be talking about the years in between the McGann movie and the show's return. Yeah, so, which actually is sounds quite good. I think. It does actually, doesn't it? It does sound rather interesting. So um, I cannot wait for that one either. No. And that's on the fifth of October. Uh, which we're also going to. Yes. Yes. So again, for the third time this episode, we've rubbed our listeners' noses in it. <laughs> oh, we are sorry. We are sorry. And, and, and sort of like, and we're bringing you a book review of Warriors of the Deep. So, the, the, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> <laughs> we get our comeuppance very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and there's one. Actually, there is one thing I didn't put in the news uh, this week. I mean, because I completely forgot about it. Um, it was the fact that filming has commenced for the Christmas special. And you now we, we were discussing last week, um, 
Will Matt Smith wear a wig? He Cuts is. A, yes. Yes, yeah. he is wearing a wig. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's confirmed. There's there's uh, photographs taken out sort of outside. There's no there's no spoiler photographs involved. It's just him in a in a field, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. actually that's another theory of ours. Blown out the water. Yes. Actually, I thought you would do. You thought you wouldn't. I I just didn't know whether they would go to the trouble or not, or whether they'd just come up with some explanation very quickly as to why he wasn't. But yeah. Oh well. There you are. No wig. No wig. He is wearing a wig. No. <laughs> no shaved head. I was going to say. Right. Good God. Right. Should we move on from this? Let's move on. Let's go across to Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, now we've only got one item of tat this week, haven't we? Which, which, you, um, yes. which you, you found for us, didn't you? Would you, would you like yes. to introduce it to the uh, ladies and gentlemen? It's a giant mug with hidden TARDIS. Ooh. Now, uh, what's so special about this, Paul? Um, oh, what's so special about it is you get less drink in your mug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because, folks... At the bottom of your mug is a ceramic TARDIS. Yes. Or as they say, this giant 12-ounce Doctor Who mug arrives complete with a cheeky little TARDIS hidden away inside. Oh, cheeky, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm quite yeah. sure why yeah. it's cheeky. Oh, you cheeky young so-and-so. Um, yeah, I, I, there's a big design flaw in this, really, isn't there? Yeah, probably all right for making your tea. But if you're going to put... Coca or anything in there, as we do at our age. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be difficult to stir, stir it, isn't it? It is really. Well, actually, it's, it's difficult to stir with tea if you put sugar in it. Yeah. Christ's sake. And, 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 and getting to the age I am now, I'm looking at that and thinking, that's <laughs> going to be difficult to wash up as well. <laughs> oh, dear, this is fast becoming the, the, the number one podcast for geriatrics. It is. Number one in all geriatric care homes. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast is piped in, into into the lounge. Then isn't this in between blokes coming in dressing dungarees doing juggling acts for them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just we had now gone past the age where we look at where we'd be drinking away and we'd get excited because the TARDIS appears. <laughs> That's it. Though. You get to the bottom of your mug. You see the little TARDIS. I remember when I was a little boy. I used to watch that program. And you regale people with with your boring stories of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh dear! Now um, that is available from ForbiddenPlanet.com from the thirtieth of September, and you can buy it for twelve pounds ninety nine pence. Uh, apparently, it was it it was originally available for fourteen ninety nine. So you save two pounds. There you go. Yeah. So you, or you, or you could just buy a proper mug. I was going to say cause you're getting two pounds worth less of drink. Right? <laughs> Yeah, bloody right and all. What a rip-off. What a rip-off. My God. Okay, that's it. That's that's the only bit of tech we had to bring you this week. That's just to... Uh, one for all our older listeners out there. <laughs> okay, then, everybody. So, um, I, th- I think that's it, isn't it? That, yes. that was a That was a... That was a... Well, we, we <laughs> you don't know, folks. We had to, we've had to edit a lot of stuff out here. So, <laughs> so for another week, then, that was the news. Right, everybody, it's time to do our little review of the target novelisation of Warriors of the Deep. Uh, so, whose turn is it to go first this week? I think it's mine, I think. It's yours, okay. Yes. What do you think of this one, Paul? Um, I actually enjoyed reading this. Okay. 
Because um, I actually quite like the story of Warriors of the Deep anyway. Mm. I just think the uh, show was let down by production rather than the story to a large extent. It's a typical Doctor Who base under siege, isn't it, story? It is. There's a little bit of uh, sort of bit of Pertwee, a little bit of Troughton chucked into this one, isn't there? Yeah. And I actually, as we discovered last week, that last week, last time we did one of these, mm. um, if you get the six part stories done into the book form, obviously there isn't a lot of room for the writer to work around anything new into it or put his own little added touches. Yeah. Uh, with this, a four part one, there was. And I have to say, I think Terence Dix actually did a quite nice little job with this. Yeah, he didn't change it drastically. No. I mean, in actual fact, that's actually some of the bits I liked. Because you think you had the production problems with this. And the writer could have easily have gone away and said, right, I'm just ignoring all that. I'm going to write it as it should have been. Mm -hmm. And as it should have been shot. He didn't. He actually went away and tried to explain why it was this done that way on the the show yeah you had talking about the modern brightly lit base i was going to say yes the they didn't address that at all in the book they said no it's brightly lit (laughs) Uh yeah you know yeah this is what it was meant to be this is the best way to do it it's modern that's why it's done like that you had the mentioning the tardis door was left the jar yeah to explain how why they could just then get into it later on yeah, it, it was sort of like sort of picking up on some of the more obvious mistakes made. Yeah, and just and just, but you thought it was an opportunity for the writer could have just ignored that, said right, we'll do it properly. Here it is done properly. Yeah, but he didn't. He actually, without actually losing the story, without um, making you think, oh, why have you still included that? He actually did it quite well, and he brought a smile to my face when he started to explain away all the problems that had the TV show. <laughs> And added to the enjoyment of it, I think. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, there was um, there was a lot more sort of character background as well. Uh, yes. Especially to now, I particularly like the way he, he sort of described Turlo. Yes. As treacherous and shif- shifty and unreliable. Yes. Every yeah. every opportunity, in the, especially in the first half of the book, wasn't it? Was he's prefaced by the either shifty, treacherous looking. Yeah, and also another description, like, was he the school bully or the school sneak? Yes. Um, and just the way it was written, he made him even more weasley than normal. <laughs> yes. Which, 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 which is hard to do. <laughs> and he yeah, I know, because, that you, I mean, Turlo in the, in the TV, you, you know that he's sort of like, he's he's very much, not a, a, I don't know, a, a cowardly is the way to describe Turlo, but he's he's always looking out for number one, isn't he? Yes, and you're never quite sure what his motives are. No, and he'll admit def- he admits defeat immediately. Yes, um, I mean I had to go out to show it at the end of the first episode um, in the TV show, and it, it, again it's written like that in the book as well. Yeah, uh, when the Doctor gets sort of flung over that railing in, into the uh, into the water, and he just goes, "Admit it, he's dead." Yes, um, and again it, it's just that thing. He's just sort of immediately he's fallen in the water, therefore he must be dead. Yes, let's get out of here ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that he, his first thought is always to get back to the TARDIS rather than trying to where he's going to be safe. Yeah, save the Doctor, yeah. and you have the thing where he's almost bullied into actually going. But again, actually going to back help to, them. I was going to say that I just mentioned the thing about the Doctor falling into the water. Um, it does sort of go on to describe how he can sort of um, 
it goes back to the thing about him being able to breathe in space. Yes. Or survive in space. Not breathe in space, but survive in space. It, and it was that His same... His body can adjust. Yeah, and it was that same thing kicked in again. Yeah. For this. So, yeah, I, I like the, the fact he, he did try to tie in a bit more of the... Sort of the other the other things that are sort of or aspects that have been sort of brought up in the fifth yeah. doctor's time, and the fact of saying the warm water, which I don't know whether that was done purposely because if you see anything with Peter Davison talking about that, talk, says about how icy cold that water was. Yeah, exactly. So they literally had just pumped it straight in, hadn't they? And yeah. it hadn't had time to warm up. No, so jump into ice cold water. So 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 I wonder whether that was even done knowingly that he was saying something that was totally. <laughs> That well, odds to what was actually happening. Well, I think I mean let's talk about some of the other characters here because you had um, obviously we, we were saying last week about um, Tom Adams' character, uh, Vol- Commander Volshak. I was saying that he was sort of uh, we sort of imagined him just sort of like posing in every in every scene with hands on hips, sort of like being very manly. Um, yes. Now he's, he's sat at con- the console most of the time, isn't he? When he he's- is actually, but. The first time he's mentioned in the book, he's described as hero handsome. Yes. Uh, much to the commander's embarrassment. And I said, I bet it's not to Tom Adams, though, is it? Oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh dear. Now, you also had uh, Nielsen, and, who was uh, Vorschach's number two. If you remember from the TV show, um, he was the one who was the, uh, the spy, along with Dr. Solal. Yeah, and that's actually the most interesting bit that comes out, is their actual... Them too, you get a bit more. Well, you don't get so much more depth on him. It's more on her. Yeah, and you see, she's totally well, not totally a different character to how you sort of watched it on the the screen. But you get the feeling that she's just being dragged along, whereas on the screen, I never got that impression. No, definitely not. I mean, in the book, she's very much um, a reluctant partner, isn't she? Yes. Um, it's a whole thing of killing people. Yeah, that she didn't as a doctor. Um, her job is to save lives. But you get the one line on the TV, on the TV, which is the "I'm a doctor. I find it hard to yeah do this." But the way it's but, delivered, though, you don't get any sense of regret, do you? No, that it's just well, you know. But I accept that this is something that's got to be done. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's very much there's a, almost a internal battle going on with her and she's not quite sure she's only just recently yeah. taken the ideological view that this is the right thing to do well you get more sort of background on how Nielsen recruited her yeah in the first place um but as you say not any information on how he turns to the you know to the no to the other side um which in the book it's just described as east versus west yes which actually, even the TV didn't even go that it far, didn't, did, did it? No. But I suppose, from a point of view in the book, it's a bit more difficult to just keep referring to them as the other block. Yeah. So I suppose you do east and west is just then easier to keep going back to. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, 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 in a written form, it makes more sense to it like that. So, yes. um But yeah, I, I just like the fact, you know, that it was. You know, as I say, I think that's the thing about Terence Dix when he, he does these novelizations. He, he does like to sort of give you a little bit more background. Yeah, give him the room and he will actually yeah. give you something worth extra reading. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I did like that. So, now also, sort of the, 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 sort of the first description of uh, the Silurians as well. Yes. Because uh, he describes them as being robed. 
Yeah, as well, which I found um, peculiar. But then it's, it's never mentioned after that. So I, maybe in his mind, the Silurians were sort of clothed as well, but maybe a little bit more advanced than their their TV counterparts. Yeah, there was also the um, getting back to him writing in the and making up for the poor performance in the TV show. <laughs> yeah. It's just the they walked with a steady, stately pose or something. <laughs> but yeah. it was the, the, why they were so slow in moving. Was actually, yeah, because no, I, was, was well, I didn't say anything also about the Sea Devils when, when the, the base is finally under siege. And obviously, if, you, if everyone out there can remember the TV, um, the TV version of this story, um, everybody sort of like walked very, very slowly through the door and they were standing about five foot away from one another whilst they were firing their guns so and and, and did hit a thing did they so no. it was um it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty poor to watch but in the book there's no there's no mention of how they moved or anything it it just sort of happened yeah and I think no, it's just 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 right at the beginning wasn't there when he first yeah. when he first talks about the Silurians, it was the sort of stately walk wasn't it that was slow and majestic or something i can't, yes, I can't yeah. actually remember the phrase itself but it just made you think yeah he's just got that in he's explaining that one away for the people as well yeah now the, i mean obviously the other thing about this is obviously the murka yes uh which which this story is famous for yes um for that big sort of like not quite finished um pantomime oh, it's not monster whole, Dragon, yeah. a pantomime dragon, I think is the way to describe yes. it. Um, now, in the book, it, it's more of a... Um, it's, it's described more as sort of like some sort of dinosaur, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's actually going back to more what you had... In the Silurians. They, yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think he's, it's, this is the one bit that he's trying to rewrite, isn't it? Yeah. And it, I still find it a strange... A very strange scene, though, and it it come across as strange in the book when the when the Merka finally sort of pushes open the sea base doors, <clears throat> and it still just stands there in the doorway. Yeah, it doesn't try to address that fact either that it, it just stands in the in the doorway like it does in the TV show. And you had this thing with Tegan's foot being stuck underneath. Now it does go to say it wasn't broken; it was just it was just lodged awkwardly um, un, under the under the door. Because it's a really whole weird thing with the. I just find it really a strange scene with like the, the the doctor, very very casually, sort of trying. This thing standing in the doorway is about he's about you know five foot away from it, and he's just he's acting very very calm and, and it's very almost I'd say casual. And there's no set even in the book. There's no sense of urgency. I just yeah. found, I just found it was a strange scene in that. I mean, obviously she's got a, in the in the TV show, Janet Fielding's got a foot stuck under a foam rubber door. Yes, which they're trying to make make out looks heavy, and the thing's wobbling about all over the place. Nice. But um, he's actually holding it down, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, it up. but but in the book, it's it's still a, a very awkward scene. Yeah, um, I suspect actually, there's also a sense in this that you're imagining the size of the room, as in the TV, whereas you don't actually. You might be if you imagine that um, the room that they're in as being much longer. And the door's flown a, a, quite a way further to hit her. Then yeah, obviously he'd have more time. But the trouble is, he doesn't as, say as in, that. Apart from being three foot away, yeah, which, I, yeah, which I, is how you're, which is how you're visualising it because you've seen the TV. But the, the trouble is, the book doesn't say the door was flown back into the room. No, and I think that's the problem. I think that's why yeah. it's still in, it's still in, in your mind yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. the that's the the poor poorness of the 
production that's cre- coming back into you your head through the book rather yeah, than the book definitely. not explaining it properly. I think. Yeah. So obviously the Merkur in this doesn't have four legs either. No. No. <laughs> I mean, actually, actually, I found the Merkur was actually used less in the book than it was on the TV, which is obviously the wrong way round. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't mention the Merc has stumbled around in a brightly lit room. No, but you, <laughs> leaving green paint smeared on the walls. But, but you, but you do the, the the actual references to the Merc are quite short, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Whereas in the TV, you do actually get quite a lot of it walking down brightly lit corridors. It's even as if that Terence Dix is embarrassed to write about it as well. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah and as a fact, is is the only bit that he actually really changed, isn't it? It is. It is actually. It really is the only bit he's really changed. Oh, um, the other bit, I suppose, talking about the Mercury and, and him trying to explain away the storyline, I was half expecting him to talk about Dr. Solo and say, and say she left the command centre, remembering her karate training. She <laughs> rushed now, at least in the book, he just, tried to, he just wrote that she tried basically just to barge past it. Yeah. Try to dodge it, and yeah. she couldn't. So, um He'd, he'd, he even he didn't try that one. No, exactly. And even when the Merkur um, meets its end, um, it just said it was um, sort of like Doctor sort of turns on that ultraviolet sort of weapon he's put together. Yeah. And basically, when it sort of collapsed on the floor, there was steam rising from its body, uh, and it, not saying it collapsed in a big rubbery heap. <laughs> either so, <laughs> so it's just little things like that. But I mean, um, actually, I, I actually want to talk about some of the other characters actually, which was Maddox. The character of Maddox. Um, again, there was a little bit more sort of background on him. He was because I don't know. You watched the TV show uh, in re- yeah. in readiness for this, didn't you? Yeah, I honestly can't remember. Was there any mention of uh, in that of him just being like a temporary replacement? Yes. Only, it was. He's only meant to be there for a couple of days. Yeah. He he does have that conversation. He with does, Rena. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. I honestly couldn't remember if we had that conversation or not. But you don't. What you don't get is that is the background as to why they're picked and the fact that there's only a few of them that are capable of brain patterns are capable of taking the yeah sync up, and they're basically pushed into this line of work whether they want to or not because there's so few people that are able to do it. Don't you get from the book? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, um, so there's a lot more description on that, and and it makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. makes more sense well, as, why, as to why, why Maddox is like he is. Who really doesn't want to be there? Yeah, is the sync operator. Yeah, even, even the fact that it was only temporary, you still from the forces of well, sooner or later you'd have to do this job. Why are you there? And you actually find out from the book that basically you have no option once you're found to be capable of doing this. You're pushed to a certain extent. I mean, I suppose there's supposed to be tests that rule out people, but obviously he slipped through that. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was um, a nice little bit of detail to put in there. Yeah, it makes it makes his character a lot more makes a lot more sense of his character. Yeah, a lot more rounded. Actually. Yeah, it, it, it sort of it it's, it explains his his sort of his reactions and his and his sort of general demeanor a lot more. Yeah. if you sort of apply it to the TV show, because yeah. that it just looks like a, a very nervy, sweaty ginger bloke, really, doesn't he? So. Yeah. But um, at least it'd say in the book, it actually sort of explains that, and you think, okay, yeah, now it makes sense. And why the, the Nielsen and Doctor Solo would actually have picked him, yeah, or at least have been 
pick, looking at him as a possible. That's it. They were just waiting for the right person to come along. It, it, it appeared. Yeah, and he also you, the book doesn't really go into it, but it's sort of hinted as to what happened to the previous operator. Doesn't really go. I was expecting that to go more into what had happened to the previous operator than the story. I mean, both times you get the speech about the oh, he was a careful man to the point of paranoia, so they didn't think it was an accident. But, but they said it was a sudden death. Yes. But he electrocu- in the book, you get that he electrocuted himself. Yeah. I'm now trying to think. I think it even you actually do get that bit of the speech in the TV. Hmm. But I, I actually wondered whether you was actually going to get the scene in the book of him dying. But you don't. You don't, it, it's, no. It's still done in the, the present. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, that sort of circumstance and how the original yeah. sync operator actually sort of it, met his demise. It is just hinted that this is something done by Nielsen. Yeah. To in terms of timing was to do that. Although then they start talking about we've had a lucky this could be a, this could be our chance as if they're now just reacting to what's happened. Yeah, sort of opportunistic. In, yeah. Sort of uh, reaction to it, but yeah. Rather than it's all been this is all was all planned to happen at this time and it's just so happened that the Silurians have attacked. Yeah, maybe it was sort of a little bit Convenient, I don't know, but yeah, but it certainly works better in book form anyway. Yeah, that, that, that whole Maddox um character, definitely. Yeah. Um, now also, I mean, there's also direct reference as well to uh, the Silurians, the TV um serial, yeah, with regards to basically sort of how the doctor felt guilty for sort of letting them down and also letting down the sea devils. Yes, when he, when he tried to mediate between the um, them and, and the humans, so. Again, I mean, it, it was alluded to, wasn't it, in in the TV show? Because he does mention that he does he say that the, when he finally sort of comes face to face, you you know me, we've met before, yeah, all that, yeah, yeah. Um, but in this, you get a lot more, and I, I suppose that again, it, it's for people who don't know anything about the Silurians and the Sea Devils. Yeah, the, the TV does tend to take it that you've you, yeah it's, you know the history. Yeah, um, but obviously the book doesn't take doesn't take the reader for granted on that on that front. No, you get a big, and it also then helps explain why the Doctor's reluctant even more than usual to yeah and take the action that he has to do in the end. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I do like that. I do like that actually. Um, I, I like the, the fact about these Target books. It, they do. They will reference other stories just to sort of bring you up to speed. Yeah. So that, I, I really do like that. I, do, I just like the fact you could any anyone could just pick up the book and read it. And if there is any history attached to it, there is mention of it. Yeah. I mean, going back to talking about Turlo, you know his character. Yeah. Without having to explain him just by the description of him every time, which was I thought was as I said was good. Yeah. And I also like the um, when Nielsen's taken. Tegan as hostage to try and get away, and you've got the he wishes he'd taken someone else. <laughs> oh dear! So they they got the character of uh, Tegan nailed down there, haven't they? So, yeah. <laughs> Which I just thought was just just a, a line that just explained her character totally as well. Now, obviously, for those of you who have actually sort of um, actually they do actually make more mention of a injured ankle as well, don't they? Yes, because that seems to have. I think that I can't remember in the TV one, but it's sort of like sort of conveniently forgotten that she had a, a, a leg trapped under a door. She does limp actually for quite a while. Does she? When she's going through the corridors after they first get out. Um, but it is totally forgotten. Yeah, as you say, by 
I've, they actually, to be honest, I think even in the book it's totally forgotten. By the time they get to the um, going through the ventilation system, it's it's gone in both the book and the TV, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah. yeah but no, she, she she does limp in the in the TV as well. Which is actually something, having read the book, I was looking out for then, because I couldn't remember her <laughs> doing it. Yeah, unfortunately, so I didn't get having, a chance to watch the TV show. Having again, read so. the book, I mean, this is one of the things we did, wasn't it, with this, was to do, was to see, well, trying to remember what's changed, and yeah. I don't remember that bit. And then no. actually, when you, when you have read the book and you start watching the TV again, you actually do notice stuff more than you did perhaps I, the first think, time round. Well... I'll come on to that later. Actually, I think um, I think the, the one important bit about this is the resolution to the story, which is the hexachromite gas. Yeah, that the Doctor uses. It doesn't have the same gory effects, does it, as it does in the TV show, where you've got like green pus oozing out of every orifice. Uh, yeah. In the book, they just sort of collapse. Yeah. Which I I don't know what works better. Um. I suppose it didn't necessarily need it in the book. I think probably they'd come up with a good visual, or decided they'd come up with a, a, a good visual for the TV. Um, and I was probably worried about the other effects they had, so they thought, well, let's throw in something else. Well, it, it does make you wonder if, whether it's because, obviously, um, at that time, Eric Sayward was the script editor of yeah. Doctor and Terence Dix was one-time script editor for the show. I'm beginning to wonder if Terence Dix was... Sort of disagreeing with Saywood's choice of visual effects. Maybe he thought, to, in his mind, it was it was too much for children, and it was just better that they was yeah they they, was gassed. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, because they so they just sort of collapsed, holding their gills. Yeah, I mean, it also makes more sense. It also actually what it does is make more sense of the ending where they're trying to give them oxygen to keep them alive. Yeah. Whereas, obviously. So that's just suggesting that it's a um, problem with breathing that the gas causes, yeah. rather than it actually totally destroys them physically. Yeah. So probably actually by not doing that, by not having the the green pus, it actually makes the ending more sense, which is probably what he's trying to do there. I think so. I think so. Um, and also the other thing, it does actually acknowledge the fact that Bulick survived. Yes. Because there's no mention of him at all in the TV show, is there? No, I know. We found that, didn't we, when we watched it? It was like, so, you know, it's like everybody's dead. Well, no, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, Because yeah. you actually saying that Bulick, uh, so at least Bulick survived, and there's probably a few other survivors dotted around yes. the base. Which makes more sense. Yeah. But at least he acknowledged the fact that there, there, actually, no, sorry, there was one character who didn't die in this bloodbath. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um,. I do want to say about, I mean, this this book and the TV show, it doesn't it doesn't try to I don't know, it does sort of pull you away from some of the, the um the show's shortcomings, this particular serial's shortcomings, because I think the whole as you said, you you were you read the book, you watched it, and you sort of hang on a minute, I don't remember this and I didn't never notice that before. And I think the whole problem about Warriors of the Deep is you're sh- you're so distracted by yeah. what you by what you're seeing. Yeah. And all, and you're looking out for all the little mistakes and the crappy murker and and the the Silurian's costumes not fitting properly, and and even the the base people's costumes and how brightly it's the whole brightly lit thing and all the and all the eye shadow and the eye shadow and that and you just yeah without you don't get any of that in the book which improves it no end yeah. 
But the thing is that it doesn't do the book doesn't done anything to to address those issues. No, it's pretty much as 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 you see it on the screen. Yeah, but, but just by changing the odd thing and adding a little bit more background to certain characters, I, I think for me it sort of brought the story to life. Yeah. No, I mean, I've always said that. I think, well, actually, I'll perhaps go back and listen to our commentary version of this. Perhaps I didn't say it then. <laughs> um, but in, in hindsight, I think this is there's a decent story there. There is. It just got overtaken by events. And even you could even say it got overtaken by events as far as the TV crew as well. Because obviously, what the, might go into the history of the episode, but they obviously didn't have the time either. So, no. Um, it's not necessarily their fault as such that it, to a large extent, that it turned out as badly as it did on the TV. No, I don't think so. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the writer of this, the original writer of this, is, the book is how you probably ima- he imagined it would look on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it must have been a huge disappointment to us, I mean, what it must have been to him. Well, I think I think he did a good job. He could, he, yeah. he had a bit of a mountain to climb there, didn't he? Yeah, when I mean, you're trying to link two old stories together, yeah, to form a coherent story now, and he didn't do a bad job, I don't think. No, I don't. I don't. I and mean, it's it's a it's another quick read again. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't. I actually, to be quite honest, it's a bit like. I mean, Rise of the Deep is a fast-paced story. Yes. Okay. It's as we said, time and time again, it's got a lot of shortcomings, but it is not a slow plotting story. No. And those four episodes do whiz by. Yes. For, for good or bad, they do whiz by. Um, and I think it's the same with the book as well. Yeah. It's a very quick read. You know, you could, and it, it actually you can sort of like pick it up and put it down whenever you, whenever you want to. You don't have to sort of sit there and concentrate on it. No. Yeah, that's, certainly that's the case. It's, um, I found that it almost, almost happens in real time, doesn't it? To a large extent. Yes, So it you're does. not jumping yeah. about in terms of the day went by and next following day or something like that. So yeah. it keeps the pace going from that way. Yeah, I think I think it's... I mean, I would recommend this book to people, to be honest. Yeah, I really so would, would I. Yeah. yeah, so would I. It's, it's, a, it's a good story. Yeah, it is. And plus the fact about the book, you can you can make your own things up when it comes to the murk and how the Silurians and Sea Devils look. You know, there's... Um, I suspect I mean, if, if you've managed not to watch the TV version... And yeah. you read the book, you'll enjoy the book even more than we did. Yeah, I think so. And you'll be incredibly disappointed when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, I, th- I think that's a good place to end that. I th- on, on that short yeah. piece of advice. Yes, I think that's a good place to end it. Okay then. So, um, I think well, that gets a thumbs up from us. Yes. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, what's next Who'd week? Who would have thought? I know. Crikey. I never thought I'd ever give anyone the sort of recommendation to read the book of Warriors of the Deep. And I think the relief now is that's probably the last time that I'd have to watch Warriors of the Deep for this podcast. <laughs> I think we've done everything we can with it. I think we have. I think we've reached the end of the line with Warriors of the Deep now. Yes. Definitely. So what is coming up next week then? Well, we're going to go back to our Series 3 retrospective. And for the next two weeks... We're going to be talking about the two-part human nature, family of blood story. Yes. So that's what's coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. 
Yeah, I am, which is slightly worrying because when we've done this before, it's never been yeah, quite. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm, I haven't watched this one in a very, very long time. No, and I do remember enjoying watching it, you know, very, very much. Yes. So I just so, hope I, when I go back to it, I'm not disappointed. Yes, that, that's the only worry for me. Yeah. So we'll, we shall see. We shall see. Yes. Okay then. So until then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Who's He?